From the Ben Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a free weekly podcast with the two-time UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir and the two-time funniest comedian in Reno, Nevada, Richard Hunter. That's uh, That accolade is getting further and further in the past. I need to win something else so I can keep up, you know. Uh, it's phone booth fighting, and uh, as I said, we do this each and every week for you guys. Covering the world of mixed martial arts and so far beyond. Speaking of the beyond part, Frank, uh, Billy Bob Thornton will be joining us here a little bit later in the show. Good friend of ours, guy who just celebrated a birthday a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of days ago, actually, a couple of days ago, and um, uh, he's coming to town uh, with his band, The Box Masters. They got a new record out, so we'll uh, be talking about as well. Before we get into all that, though, Frank, tell everybody, if you will, about the Amazon banner on the front of our phoneboothfighting.com website and why that's important. Well, it's one of the easiest ways to help us here at the show by doing the shopping that you're going to do on Amazon, by going through Phone Booth Fighting first and clicking on our Amazon banner. At that point, all the shopping you're doing, any of the uh, purchases you make, a small percentage will come back to us here at the show at no extra charge to you. It's basically how we pay Mikey. That's another, yeah. if, if, if all that sounded like a lot of uh, a lot to comprehend, just think about it as uh, that's how uh, Mikey gets to eat. So uh, if everybody is uh, shopping on Amazon anyway, please go to phoneboothfighting.com and click through that Amazon banner. Also, join our Patreon page. The Patreon banner is right there by the Amazon banner. And uh, for as little as $1 a month, that's right, $1 a month, you get exclusive access to extra segments that take place on this show. So uh, frequently before or after the show uh, stops, at least the part that uh, you're used to seeing, we do a little overtime, a little pregame show, a little postgame show sometime, and that exclusive content goes up on our Patreon page. We'll be doing more on that as uh, the weeks progress because we need to grow that thing and create some other levels and tiers and rewards and all that kind of stuff up there. All right, before we get to Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Frank, we had uh, MMA this past weekend, as we often do. Call coming in right yeah, now for uh, Frank Mir. Not Billy Bob Thornton. No, just not. Just text me. Frank is. Uh, it's possible we leave this in. I could edit this out depending on how long the call goes, but no, it didn't go very long at all. So we'll just leave well, it in. Five minutes. I got to run downstairs and hand Jennifer the car keys. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Frank got a car today, right? That's uh. That, yeah. 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 Is Gotten that anything Ford, here, local to... town dealership, uh, uh-huh. the oldest one in town. They called me up and asked if I would help. You know. You know. Wanted to become a Ford family and stuff. We were always driven Cadillacs and stuff and went down uh-huh. and checked out a couple of their cars. And uh, I'm going to start driving around the Raptor now. The Ford Raptor? It's a badass truck. I don't the know. Pickup? Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. I don't know cars. So it's just I don't a big know truck what that that's is. fast, four by four. Okay. It has turbos on it. <laughs> it's roomy, so it fits the whole Mir clan. Yeah. I don't know nice. what a turbo is, but it sounds powerful. Yeah. It, it, there's more than one. You said there's plural uh, there's turbos twin, yes. on it, twin turbos. turbos. So you got one on each exhaust. So what it does is it speeds up. Your exhaust, your exhaust. So exhaust comes out of the engine, comes out of the manifold. Yeah. Your turbo is at the end of the manifold, and it's like a, basically a super, like super spins the exhaust and pushes it out okay. faster. Okay. I, I thought that, no, I thought it's the exhaust spins it so it 
it pushes fuel in harder oh, really? off of the pressure of the exhaust. Oh, really? Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's oh, why there's something. turbo lag because yeah, it takes a second for it to spin uh, to catch back up to okay. pressurize the fuel. It had something to do with the exhaust. Yeah. From where I yeah. sit, both of you could be right, both oh, of you okay. could be wrong. I know because my CTS, CV, uh, CTS, your CTE, CTSV. Yeah, it yeah. has turbo, or uh -huh. excuse me, uh, supercharged, uh -huh. and that's different. That one has mm -hmm. no lag, but I guess it's always robbing power. Like someone tried to explain it to me, some gearhead was like, "Ah, yeah. oh, you should rip that off and put turbo on there." And when I found out about turbo lag, I'm like, mm -hmm. "Bro, I don't know if you know, but yeah. I've broken my leg before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a, a racer anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm more of a zero to sixty kind of guy, you know, zero to hero type. You know what I mean? Like I like coming off the line quick, but once yeah. we hit about forty five. I slow down. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Supercharger sounds cool. It's got that whine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. More right. kind of old school too. Well, in a uh, in in a um, uh, in a desperate effort to contribute somehow, some way to this conversation, uh, before we get into our MMA talk, Mikey, maybe I ought to tell uh, Frank what I was telling you before the show started about the uh, the very uncharacteristic um, little bit of road rage I engaged in. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to hear the story, but I got to go do something. like this. All right, Frank's leaving the show. No, no, I so want to hear oh, this. Oh, you are coming back. So okay. we got to edit this. Okay, all right. So Frank is uh, walking down to uh, hand some car keys off to uh, Mrs. Mirror. You know when Frank's going to get really popular as speaking as a guy with a pickup truck? Mm. Around the end of the month and the beginning of the month. Oh, you're the pickup truck yeah, guy. Yeah, look at Frank, you know, 6'3", 265, yeah. pro athlete. He's, he's yeah, going to be very popular. Hey, Frank, what are you doing this 31st? Yeah. What are you doing on the 1st? Yeah. Hey, I've got a mm -hmm. uh, uh, armoire I need yeah. to move, and yeah. uh, it won't fit in the back of my Celica. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, huh? Oh, yeah, okay. all right. Oh, all right, okay. Oh, we'll pause it. Everybody's coming. Okay, so quick story before we get uh, Billy Bob Thornton on uh, with us. I did something that I never do. Uh, I, I um, Totally atypical behavior for me, Frank, I, I would venture to say. But I engaged in a little road rage. Just a little. Not a lot, but a little. All right? The training's getting to you, huh? You're yeah. all edgy and oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you engaged in road rage, huh? Kind of. I mean, you can tell me if this Okay, well, let me hear the story. I'm going to be like, bro, that's not yeah, road rage. I have a feeling <laughs> yeah. our version of road rage is not going to be your version of road rage. All right. So uh, yesterday, uh, speaking of cars, I'm dropping Jennifer off at work because uh, her car's in the shop, so we're sharing a car for a couple of days. So I drop her off at work, and um, where she works is kind of like a – shopping area lots of stores and restaurants stuff like that around so um i pull in and uh i we're in a parking lot and i pull her around to the back of where she works she's going to go in the the service entrance whatever back door and uh, i pull over and it's in a fire lane but i'm in the car i'm just she's getting out um so we're i pull over to the right and then on the other side of this it's not a road, but it's the part of the parking lot. Everybody, the thir the the thoroughfare or whatever you call it, everybody drives through. On the other side of that road is uh, uh, a large truck, like an eighteen wheeler. I think it's like a produce truck or something. It's unloading some product at whatever store it's going to. But in between that truck and my Prius, there is plenty of room to drive a car through. Okay, so uh, pull over. She's getting out, and the whole time, the whole process of her getting out took 
seven seconds. I mean, this is not she's sitting there, we're having a conversation, we're holding up track. It wasn't anything like that. It was like pull up, stop, grab her lunch bag and purse. Okay, see you after work, whatever, bye. Whole thing took seven seconds, no exaggeration. But within that seven seconds, as I pull up, a car pulls up behind me and the guy honks. Doesn't lay on the horn, but it's the irritated honk. You know, it's eh, like, why are you stopping here? Well, she gets out of the car, she goes into work, and the guy pulls around me in that space that's enough for a car to go through. No problem. No cars coming the other way. We're not holding up traffic. Uh, there's no other cars around there. And as he pulls beside me, I kind of do the look at him, you know, like, what was that? And he kind of looks back at me. Now, let me paint a visual for you. Uh, the guy, he, he looks kind of like Mikey. He's got the big beard. Very um, handsome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Husky dude. Uh, what would you be called again? Were you, aren't you a bear? Yeah, he's a bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this would be, a, this would be a, another bear. Uh, but he had, uh, you know, he had. He, but this is a grumpy bear. <laughs> not a pleasant happy bear. Yeah, yeah. A lot of tattoos on this guy, and he's uh, he's he's uh, puffing on a vape pen. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know what's in that, but anyway, he pulls up beside me, and we kind of do. That's the, the only old, time I don't tease any of my friends. What's that? If you have a vape pen, as yeah. long as it has THC in it, oh okay, acceptable. Gotcha. If you're vaping smoke, then yeah, I, and it's cranberry, well, marshmallow, <laughs> yeah. Fruit Loops tobacco, then I question what side of the well, field this, you are. This might on. this might have been uh, some sort of THC thing, given his demeanor that I'm about to describe. And I counter that guy would have been high. He would not have been fucking honking his horn. Maybe not. Maybe not. But he potheads he, are pleasant people. He pulls up. <laughs> You know, we do the look, and then we advance. We both advance maybe another 10 feet, and I kind of still looked at him. You know, that does irritate me when somebody does something like that. Like, now, I get if he pulls up behind me, she and I are having a 45-second conversation about something. There's people behind us, because that does irritate me if I see people do but that. But you had to go around the truck anyways, right? Yes. So what would it matter if he had to go around you and the truck or just you? It wouldn't have mattered, but especially the fact that we are wasting no time. But, I mean, the minute I saw – I'm just thinking. I'm yeah. trying to run myself I'm yeah. in his position. The minute I seen Jen or someone's yeah. girl getting out of the vehicle, I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about you driving off right now and hitting me. Right. The door's open. You right. obviously – in fact, stay there all fucking day, buddy, because the car in front of you, we're all going to have to go to the left side of this yes. – this uh the the the, the semi truck the 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 uh, yeah we have to do it you know so that I don't understand uh, even the I didn't really behind. understand it either and you know and I I mean I I sort of replay things like that to go well, wait a second let me put myself in his shoes was there something I was doing that I wasn't really conscious of that and the answer in this case is no there was no I, I wasn't inconveniencing anyone but anyway so he pulls around we do the look. It kind of advanced another 10 feet or so. And what kind I was, of vehicle did he have? Well, this is, again, where I'm bad at cars. It was a four-door gray car. But a car, nonetheless? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It wasn't the Ford Raptor. I wasn't looking up trying to see into his uh, cab. So, uh, so we do the second look. Now, this is where I engaged in very atypical behavior for me. I reached over, and I rolled the window down. 
So I was the first. I, I was the aggressor. I rolled the window down. And then he rolled his window down. And I said something to the effect of, what, what was that? Like, what's the issue? And uh, he goes, he goes uh, pull around. And he points. And what he wanted me to do was he wanted me to turn into a lane, uh, one of the aisles of parked cars. Like, he wanted me to, to turn in, basically get further away from where she needed to be, turn out of that thoroughfare so that he would just have un, unimpeded access to the thoroughfare. Which and would have never been unimpeded because of the... The space. Right. The, the lorry was there. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I said. I said, well, no. There, he goes, there's a truck right there. And I go, there's plenty of room to go around. I said, that's what you did. You you went around. And he goes, just be courteous, man. Like that. And I go, that's what I'm asking you to do. I said, I'm obviously letting her off at work. Do you want me to drive further away so she has further to walk alone in a as a woman in a parking lot or you know i'm doing it right here at the curb where she's going to walk in this door and i'm not holding up any traffic and i also pointed out i'm like i've been here for all of seven seconds you know and he's just giving me the uh, you know he's he's giving me the go on move on like he's kind of giving me that sign you know like he's just uh uh no longer interested in hearing from me yeah he's done with it that is when i noticed that he has a lift thing on his car he's a lift driver right that little light up sign they yeah, have yeah. or whatever so i looked at him and exactly with this finger gesture if you're watching on our uh, youtube page i looked at him and i said one star for you one star <laughs> and i drove off <laughs> i thought it was pretty good that is that's pretty creative you know most people are like, you know, fuck off, fuck you, suck it. You know what I mean? Like, one star. <laughs> As I thought about it afterward, the reason I was so proud of that particular dig was I thought, you know, this is someone who, in the course of his day of lift driving, will no doubt check a dozen times. Did I get a five-star review? What's my, where's my rating? You know, they want to keep that rating up and everything. So I felt like that's something he's already conditioned to be processing in yeah. his mind over and over again throughout the day. And I also thought, I was telling Mikey before the show, I was like, you know, there's very few times that someone by, you know, a sign they have on their uh, car or something like that tells you, telegraphs what it is they do and therefore gives you some sort of background information about themselves. Uh, for you to be upset and to keep that kind of frame of mind that you still were able to pick something like that out and be pretty uh, witty about it, like, I'm impressed. Thanks. Most people, you know, the average human being, very rightfully, you know, understandably, very common, when they're angry, emotion clouds their judgment and their ability to think cognitively. You know, that, that's why how many times, and you might not be able to, but a lot of people go home after an altercation with somebody where they're mad at them and they're like, oh man, I should have said A or yeah. I should have done B or, oh C, oh shit, I forgot I could have brought that up. or And then, you know, because now they have clarity of mind because the emotion's not driving them. So to be witty even under duress is, uh, that's an admirable quality. And yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I'm going to plug my phone in here. I was, uh, there we go. I was, uh, you're right, because that actually is the frustrating relationship I've had with my uh, deceased father in my head all these years is, oh, I could have said that to tell him off. 
<laughs> like I could have. Now the opportunity's gone. Yeah, you know, they always say, you know, listen, if you know, tell, you never know what tomorrow brings. So tell somebody how you feel about them now. I've always felt that way about my dad, but in the opposite sense. Like I let him off easy. Yeah, you want to tell him how you felt, but I, I told not him the way they're thinking. You want to? <laughs> yeah, I told him, but I've thought of some more stuff since he's been gone. So I'd like to have that opportunity. And anyway, I just, uh, yeah, I, I uh, patted myself on the back for that. Because I was thinking, like, the other thing, too, is there was a shift in the dynamic of, like you said, the typical escalation that people think is going to happen is somebody's going to get the finger or something like that. And I felt like I swerved him a bit where I was just kind of like, you know what? Did you stay long to see if he laughed? He, he, he looked stunned. He kind of froze for a minute, which made me happy because I did it exactly like that. I, I tagged it with the where I did the, you know what, one star for you. And then it was like a, 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 a one Mississippi. And then I tagged it with one star, just like that. I drove away. <laughs> so that would piss me yeah. off because I would have laughed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, that was good, dude. Yeah. That was good. It's also yeah, such yeah. a curveball when you're in road rage. You know, you're really expecting that. You know, fuck you, you cocksucker. Right. You know, pull over. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. it's like you want to get out, but it's just that you get that, and you're just like, it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Yeah, it. You don't That's know what funny. that was good. All right. Well, I hope that ruined his day. Frank joining us on the line right now. Our good buddies, the Boxmasters, Billy Bob Thornton. We call him Bud, and uh, also JD Andrew. And uh, the Boxmasters have a new record out uh, as of uh, about a couple of months ago now. It's called Spec. They're going to be here in town in Las Vegas. They're out on the road in uh, a couple of days. We'll talk about that show in a second. But they're checking in. My understanding is, guys, it's a uh, an Applebee's parking lot. You're in the tour bus, and uh, where? where Whereabouts are you? We're in Palm Desert, California. Mm-hmm. We just came out of uh, we just came out of Texas. Uh, our last show was in uh, in Texas was in Midland. We started in New York City on July second. We worked in uh, Pittsburgh on July third. Had the fourth off, and then we did sixteen in a row without a day off. And then uh, and then we went through the Midwest and the South and down through Texas. We had twelve shows in Texas. And uh, last night, uh, we stopped over for the driver to sleep in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and now here we are in Palm Desert, and it's a lovely 102 degrees. No, 108 at, degrees. Oh, 108 <laughs> degrees. Sorry about that. It, it uh, feels like it's 102. But, yeah, you know. okay. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if now's the time to tell you or not, but we can beat that. So when you see, you see right. yeah, yeah, we see you here in a few days. Uh, you, you'll be wishing for 108 again, Frank. That right there, you know, Frank. Frank spent his whole life uh, fighting in a cage, and he's fascinated by my stories of the old band days and what life on the road was like. Those guys just gave you a snapshot there, Frank. I'm impressed. I mean, that stint right there, saying you know, 16 days in a row. Like, how do you guys on day, you know, day 11, day 12, day 13th? is the energy starting to lag or you or you like you have tricks to get yourself going or you just just you just have to bear down and be mentally tough yeah you do you uh you know uh you may feel like hell in the day but by the time you go on stage Mm -hmm. at night you just work yourself up into it and you go out there for the next two hours and you get through it and uh nobody would ever guess that you were wasted but uh then once the show's over you come back to the bus and you just lay down and you know, think you're dying. 
So uh, it's not not that different than what you do, Frank. Yeah, but so far I haven't ever had to fight fourteen days in a row. Yeah, yeah. And, and by and by the way, just so you know, every now and then we get punched in the face too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The other, the other thing is, you know, Billy's painting this picture of you know you're you're just returning to the the solitude of this bus. I I went on that bus one time after a show, and Ron White was on there. That wasn't. Oh, I don't yeah. think if I was going to bed early that night, I remember he was telling no. me no such. Oh, well, when Ron's around, there's not a lot of solitude. No, no, I don't think so. Uh, the guys uh, are uh, got a couple shows in California over the next couple of days, and then they'll be here in Vegas uh, this Saturday night at the Red Rock Casino. Uh, and uh, I tell you, this is a return engagement there. You guys were at Red Rock uh, last year, and I'm assuming it's the same room uh, that you guys are playing. You know, I think that setup for all of our, our Vegas listeners, uh, uh, if you're coming out to the show Saturday night, is really the perfect size venue for yes. uh, seeing a band. It's, it's not small. But it's also not too big, and it's got good sound in it, and every seat's a good one. You guys know what I'm saying. I mean, you've played enough gigs over the years. You know when something's too big, too small, or just right. It's kind of that three bears theory, you know? That's what, that's, that's what J.D.'s wife tells him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the good thing, you know, since we have been there, we know what to expect, and we look forward to it, because you're right. It is, it's more like a club inside of a casino. Yeah, and you know a lot of the casino shows you play, it's uh, a bunch of folding chairs and a giant ballroom sort of thing, and you know the people that are there are uh, you know comped and they're just there to see whatever kind of show is going to be in town. But thankfully, that place you know is small enough, and they do you know sell tickets, so it's uh, a, a crowd that wants to see you there, and so you know we really like that that we have people that want to come see us and you know that's makes the show a hundred percent better for us that we can get out there have a crowd that's with us from the get-go play our show have a good time yeah obviously you guys didn't mess up the place so bad last year that uh, they weren't willing to have you back right. so that's, a, that's exactly a good yeah and i gotta say while we're on the subject yep. that that hotel room i had because you and frank were the, you came up there yep. and saw us yep. there and that's one of the better hotel rooms I've ever been in my lifetime. And Red Rock has really great, amazing rooms. And everything in that room was uh, run by an iPad, if you remember that. Yeah. And and I'm an idiot when it comes to anything like that. And uh, I went into the bathroom, and uh, I realized that it had a panel of buttons on the wall and i didn't know what any of it meant so i bent over to look and see what it all said because i don't have the best eyesight on earth uh-huh. and i bent over to look and the toilet seat hit me in the head so <laughs> when you get close to it it, all, it automatically opens which was pretty fancy but uh but i have to say it had a pool table in it it was you can't beat that place boy you, you, i gotta ask billy because you yeah. probably i mean somebody who's traveled more than even i have right have you yet to have to take a pee in the dark because you can't figure out <laughs> that's happened to me overseas right. and stuff not being able to figure oh, out yeah. the bathroom quick enough oh yeah and i'm like screw it i'll just figure it out in the dark <laughs> and, <laughs> and then i'm going by like echolocation <laughs> i'm like oh shit i'm it's missing, pretty, I'm missing. okay i'm in <laughs> it's, it's beautiful and high tech and amazing uh, we loved it and i uh, can't wait to play there again 
Boy, I tell you what, you know, a, a, a less honest broker than you, Billy, might have had a, a good uh, lawsuit on their hands getting uh, whacked in the head by that uh, toilet seat. We're, we're big on those kind of lot. In fact, in come to Vegas at the airport, you'll see billboards like some guy, some uh, ambulance chaser bought the domain injuredinahotel.com for situations oh, exactly wow. like that. <laughs> Goodness. Well, well, the good news here is is that, it, you know, I'm making it sound more intense than it was. The toilet seat opens very slowly, but at the same time, I'm really slow. So I couldn't get out of the way, you know. Your reflexes <laughs> aren't what they used to be. The That's bo- right. That's right. Boxmasters uh, come to town this uh, Saturday. Now, what is it like, you know, I think about this, like, how do you describe when the box, you know, when you think about the old days of, you know, bands are coming to town, I, I remember, you know, the old stories of like what it was like when you know, Black Oak, Arkansas came to town. You had to like lock up your daughters and stuff like that. What happens when the right. box masters roll into town? What's the first and yep, second you thing? To, what, you have to lock up your grandmothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, we you know, we, most of us on this bus and this band and the crew, most of us are married and have kids and stuff. And we've we've slowed down in terms of that kind of stuff lately. I mean, we still get, uh, you know, you have your occasional groupies and, you know, super fans and that kind of stuff. And we get bombarded sometimes. But, but you know, we uh, we don't exactly party on the road anymore. We're, uh, we're more about the music and about the show and... Uh, if we do a good show and the audience likes us, we're very satisfied. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's different than the old days. But, yeah, I played back then. As a matter of fact, I was in a band that opened for Black Oak, Arkansas when I was a youngster. Oh, yeah? And uh, I remember those days very, very well. What do you, okay, <laughs> tell, tell me, set the scene for us. Tell me what you remember. Uh, well, uh, it was just... Uh, it was just kind of craziness, you know. Backstage was always full of people, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, of course, we lived in a different time then. You know, it's not it's not like it was then. Back then, it was kind of a free for all. But uh, you know, I now worked as a roadie quite a bit too for yeah. several bands, and those days were they were pretty crazy. Uh, one of the myths, though, is that they say, "Well, when you worked as a roadie, you must have got all the girls, right?" Uh, and that wasn't true so much because, you know, once the show was over, we had to pack up all that stuff and load it in to the trucks. And uh, and then we would drive to the next town. The band got the benefit of the whole uh, party atmosphere a lot more than we did. Sure. And for those who don't know, I mean, the, the we go way, way back with the Boxmasters, even before Frank and I were doing this uh, show together uh, from back when I was still uh, in Dallas. But, uh, you know, Billy is a, is a musician who turned into an actor, not the other way around. And I think that's always an important positioning statement because uh, people may not realize, I mean, you, you, you're talking going all the way back to the, the, the 70s, you know, being on the road with bands, right. playing in bands, roadieing with bands and all that kind of stuff. So you you brought all that to the table even uh, e- even before you became known as an actor. And speaking of the music, uh, the band has a new record out. It's called Spec, and uh, it's a great record. You know, you guys just keep turning out these good records. And um, I, when I 
streamed it, and I had to do that because uh, I, I've got to order the, the vinyl online unless you guys are carrying any with you. But uh, uh, oh no, we absolutely are. We have. We'll, oh, you are. We'll, okay. uh, we'll we'll set you up with one of those right, when we cool. uh, when we see you Saturday. Cool. I'm going to pick up my vinyl, but I, I streamed it as you do uh, off of your iPad, uh, like Billy was talking about, or whatever you have. And you know, the thing pops up with all the albums in the little uh, uh, you know montage picture. And it just kind of hit home with me, guys. I was like, man, you guys have been so active and so prolific. I mean, all these years, but especially just in the last three or four. You forget how many of these releases have have come out, you know? And uh, for you guys, is that just something that that happens? I mean, is that was that always the intent or the goal? Or do you just, every time you look up, go, doggone it, we got a whole new batch of songs and we're going to have to put these on tape and get them out sooner than later? Well, we, we, you know, we are guys that love the recording studio. We love to write songs. We love to record them. We love that whole process. And, you know, honestly, if we could stay in the studio all the time and not have to tour, then we'd probably do that. But since there's no, uh, you can't sell a bunch, enough records these days to actually support yourselves and your family just selling records uh you know touring's a kind of a necessary thing which we love to do we love to get out there and play but at the same time we're also homebodies that like to stay home and you know play with our kids and uh and then record songs and so you know one of the good things about touring is that's when people see that you have records out and that they're for sale and they can pick them up and so we've kind of made sure that every time we tour we have a new record because we see a lot of the same people over and over, you know, and they're always with us kind of, you know, a hundred percent. So we want to make sure we have something new for them that uh, they can check out. And so that's why kind of, we always have a new record because we have the material as well as uh, the ability to always be cranking stuff out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we talk about some of these uh, tracks on this record. You know, the Boxmasters have always been about a nostalgic uh, sound. Uh, the the harmonies that are reminiscent of uh, a lot of music from the 60s, and uh, this record definitely uh, sounds like that. Now, the album, I, I'll ask you this first, though. The album is called Spec, and Billy, I've got here in my notes that this was originally intended to be uh, a musical uh, based on the life of Richard Speck. Do I have that right? <laughs> Not quite. Oh, I don't. Okay. I, yeah. Somebody's got to update uh, yeah, the Wikipedia no. page. <laughs> no, I think what you, I think what you read was it, it, it's a record that's uh, uh, that's exactly the opposite of the life, life of Richard Speck. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we'll enjoy a lot more longevity. Uh, that's right. No, but it, yeah. it, in all seriousness, you know, the, the record uh, opens up with the track, I Want to Go Where You Go, and that right there, signature Boxmaster sound. I mean, if you if you haven't heard the band before, you stream that one track, you're like, okay, this is a lot of uh, what this band is about. But then, you know, the record uh, stretches out a bit. I mean, uh, uh, third track in, uh, 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 Shut the Devil Up, I'm Hearing a Tuba for the First Time. Is that Teddy blowing on the tuba? Who, who's playing the tuba? Yeah, that's Ted. I knew and, it. Uh, it was just a, it was just a guitar and a, and a tuba and a voice. That, that's all that's on that track. And it's uh, that song's political in nature, just like yep. a couple more on the record, yep. such as uh, "Let the Bleeding Pray" and uh, 
uh, watching the radio, which mm -hmm. uh, the two songs we're playing off the record are "Let the Bleeding Pray" and "Watching the Radio." Okay. And, uh, so we're uh, and we're very proud of those songs. And uh, of course, it was you know the the record was intended to be a, a thematic record in the sense that it would be sort of like our version of a Sgt. Pepper, where it's not a it's not a concept album like Tommy was, which is a full on concept album, but it's a collection of songs that are related to each other in the sense that it's about humans and our place in this giant universe and, you know, our problems in our own backyard, all the way to social and political problems. And, uh, uh, so, uh, Jeff, uh, Emmerich produced it, who was the Beatles engineer starting with revolver through the end of their career. And Jeff had been a friend of ours for years and he was a big box master fan and, always wanted to produce a record on us so he passed away a few months after the record was made and uh so the last record this guy ever produced was ours and wow we're pretty honored that he that he uh, uh we got to work with him and because uh, that's everything we ever loved i mean we were fans of the beatles that is incredible i and i did not realize he had passed away and i'm sorry to hear about that but that's true like i mean just the idea to, you know that that you're able to even be in a place where you can make a record with somebody who had that kind of technical hand in 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 Beatles records that's uh that's very cool you know and you bring up those tracks Billy like uh, uh and I picked that up too I mean especially with uh let the bleeding pray I was like you know this is some deep stuff I mean this it sounds like a boxmaster song but I got the I got the concept that you know it's it's kind of a little bit of a. It felt like a little bit of a a, a let him eat cake uh, scenario. If you want to harken back to Marie Antoinette, am I right on about that? You're exactly right on. That's that's actually what the title. That's what I based that title on was Marie Antoinette mm. saying "Let them eat cake." Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, and I, you you are the only person that's actually pulled out the actual reference. Oh, you know, yeah. you, know. you are. You are. All right. Well, it's considered. <laughs> and we've talked to a lot of people over this tour, so. Uh, well, you know, well, good. Well, that's you know that's one thing we always enjoy. You know, when we talk to you, Richard, is that. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you know, we're all on the same wavelength. We are. We are, and it makes it makes for uh, for some fun uh, uh, late night conversations for sure. You know, uh, I was thinking about how far I go back with these guys, Frank. I have my boxmasters. I have several boxmaster shirts, but the one I like the most, the one I wear the most is uh it's got to be one of the original ones uh but it's it's so worn and i was thinking about that guys in the concept of an old concert shirt like that's kind of how a band i mean a band can measure itself by like uh uh you know their their discography or whatever but i also think once they get to a point where one of their shirts if you see it on somebody you're like man that thing is hanging on by a thread that's also a testament to your longevity do you know what i'm saying oh that's definitely yeah, no question but i'm glad you got a an old rag of a t-shirt that makes us proud i do i wore yeah, that exactly thing. I wore that shirt. We got some new ones too. Okay, good. Well, I'll be in for a new one. But I wore that shirt to uh, Dwight Yoakam last weekend, and uh, I had some people stop me and and you know give me the no. And that's also the fun thing too when you kind of got like the cool insider logo reference, you know, and you get the knowing <laughs> nod from the 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 in the, the no music fans for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so, um, uh, so let's see. So, so you guys be in town. Now, this is kind of the end of the tour, right? I know uh, after Vegas, there's like one more show or something, right? And then you guys are off. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, the Vegas show is the second to the last show, and then we'll uh, 
take off and uh, figure out what what the next uh, run's going to be. But we right before the tour started, Billy and I finished kind of the next record. We we mixed the next record to be released, mm. and uh, it's more of it's uh, you know the title already is a uh, Boxmaster '66. It's a very you know. 1966 kind of sounding record as uh as uh you know that was our touchstone it's like that's what we want to sound like is a, a band in that era and of course you know gotta always mention the uh, old silver tone guitar and amp in the case which uh popped up real heavy on this new record did that it we were now. working on did it now oh yeah absolutely we uh we made sure and and had that that guy you know front and center in a lot of uh, these songs, and uh, especially a song called uh, "Garage" that we uh, are playing on this tour, so you'll hear it Saturday night. Ah, um, love it. It's uh, yeah, it's one where we uh, really, uh, you know, made use of uh, that guitar and amp, and you know, on a bunch of these songs, we uh, really wanted to uh, have that kind of garagey feel, and so we we popped it out. I, love I saw it. another one. I saw another one. I went to a music store in Indianapolis, and they had an amazing bunch of uh, you know old amps and Silvertone stuff, and they had that same guitar and amp in the case, and uh, they're worth a lot of money these days, bud. Yeah, hey, no, I, I'm I'm glad you guys are out there with it. What the guys are talking about, if you don't know, years back I gave them a, a old silver tone guitar, and uh, uh, that's really cool. I'm I'm real flattered it ends up on the record. I can't wait to hear that, and I'll oh, yeah, point it out and brag to people about it and stuff. So <laughs> that's uh that's uh that, that's really cool. You know what I was thinking? I just I love this concept that you guys always have kind of that next record in the chamber. You know where you go. You know what it is, Frank. I've applied this uh, type of approach to dating over the years where, because I'm so insecure, <laughs> what, no, what, no, what I do is you figure with your girl, you always make plans in advance, like you book a vacation three months from now. So if she's thinking about dumping you, she you, there's always like a three-month interval she's got to get to, and you just keep chasing that, that carrot. That's a good way to That's stay clever. together, guys. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> Hey, you know what? Also, uh, Billy, I wanted to ask you, too, because I know uh, Goliath is coming back for a third season, and uh, I love this show that streams on Amazon. Have you seen his show, uh, Frank, uh, Goliath? I have not yet. Really good. It's in his third season, plays a, plays a lawyer. And I thought about this when I saw I was watching season two, and I thought, okay, next time I talk to you, I want to ask you about this, because Paul Williams is on this show. And I'm like, man, of all the people that you could just have have incredible musical conversations with about everything this guy's done. I don't know if you guys knew each other prior or anything, or or what was that a relationship you had before? Did you just get to know him on the set? No, I was responsible for getting Paul to the show. I've known Paul for years and years and years. So we're old buddies. and, And when they were casting that part, which... He was in last season, and he'll be in this season, too. Cool. And uh, when they said, well, you know, the director, producer asked me, well, who would you cast this part? I said, Paul Williams, without skipping a beat. And he said, you mean the little uh, songwriter? And I go, yeah, him. And he goes, really? And then uh, he thought about it for like five seconds, and he goes, that's brilliant. And uh, (laughs) next thing you know, he's in the show. So, uh yeah, he he's in there, uh, and uh, Ileana Douglas is in there this year, who uh, is great. Mm-hmm. And 
as well as uh, my old buddy Dennis Quaid, mm. and uh, so it's a it's a good one. It may be my favorite season so far. I tell you the truth, great. And, uh, which you always hope for. I mean, you hope you know as you go along, like you hope your fifth record is better than your fourth one, and mm-hmm. you know so on and so forth. You know, you always want to improve every time, and uh, we're very proud of it. It comes out in October. Oh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. And, you know, you, it seems like you guys have really gotten down this, this and it's sort of what I was alluding to earlier, but before we get out of here, I'll, I'll just talk about this for a second. Because a lot of people may not realize, you, you you mentioned earlier, you know, it's not like the old days where you, you made a ton of money selling records and stuff like that. And especially operating on this level where you're going to continue to put out quality records, you're going to you're gonna uh, tour and, uh, you know, really have a sustainable band year after year after year. I mean, this can be a really big undertaking, but it seems like you guys, I'm sure through a lot of years of experience and trial and error and things like that from your past, but it seems like you guys year after year kind of have it down i mean i'm sure there's ups and downs and and stuff but but does it kind of feel like that like after you know a number of years you guys at least kind of have the blueprint the the rhythm down of how it's going to work summer to summer tour to tour recording session to the next oh yeah Yeah, definitely 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 you know it's well we've been together almost 13 years we've been touring for 12 Mm -hmm. and you know we've never done it on a really big level it's always been very diy and so you know it's always okay this person's gonna have to do this as well as you know play the drums they're gonna have to deal with the merch they're gonna you know the um it's it's just always the bass player has to be the tour manager the front house guy has to be the production manager it's always okay how many different hats can we put on people and how many can we do ourselves Mm -hmm. so it's always learning what aspects can we physically handle and what do we need to have somebody else do. And so it's a lot of work, but yeah, it does get easier as time goes along. And also, you know, it, it it helps to have made friends like you along the way to where we have people that we can call up, and say, hey, Richard, we're going to be in town. You know, we'd love to get on your show and, uh, you know, help promote us, or, you know, promote this show. And so that, that's one of the big things is just having relationships with the venues, being at places we played before with the radio stations, with newspaper reporters and things like that. Yep. Every year it gets a little bit easier because we know a few more people along the way that can help us, you know, get this thing out there. It takes, and each year, exactly, and each year, things get a little better. There's a, you know, there's more people at the shows than there were the year before, and you know, some places we've never played before. You know, amazingly, we had amazing crowds, and so you know, and other ones where we had been, and you know, we hadn't sold out before. We sold out this time, so each year it just gets a little bit better, and we keep. pushing forward and you know it's, we're not going to stop we we've got grand plans for all sorts of uh, things we want to keep doing so um you know we're, we're going to just keep at it and this is what we love to do so 
Well, I'm I'm I'm, Why so, stop? I'm so glad to hear it because uh, uh, we need to make some more memories together. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. I, I always figure I may not have the most money in the nursing home when I'm retired, but I'm I'm de- de- determined to have the best stories in the day room. You know what I mean? I'm going to out tell anybody else. The uh, website is uh, theboxmasters.com. You can see the remaining tour dates. The uh, merchandise is up there. Uh, the link to uh, the records. You uh, go on and uh, give give the boys a good review on Amazon. That always helps, and uh, there's even a VIP meet and greet if uh, you want to meet the guys at uh, one of the shows, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this week. Hopefully, Billy, they give you that same good uh, hotel suite. Uh, Frank, do you remember, this is funny, Billy, you mentioned that how nice those rooms are because after one of, I can't, it might have been after your fight with Andre Orlowski, I'm trying to remember which fight it was after, but Frank, it was, Frank fought here in Vegas, and he was staying at the Red Rock, and it was, if it wasn't that sweet, it was a very similar one to it or whatever, that he did the after party at, but guys, I gotta paint this picture for you real quick, because the thing about the UFC is even when you win, a lot of times you look like you lost, Uh, you don't, you don't come out unscathed a lot of times. And 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 uh, Frank's wife threw this big thing for you know friends and family and everything and there's all this great food and buffet laid out and everything and you walk into what looks like a great party except right in the middle of the room was Frank laid on the pool table like a old Southern wake like he looked like a oh, dead no. body <laughs> that that had been through a, a, a car wreck or something he was so marked up and everybody just uh, enjoyed the party around him you remember any of that frank or were you sleeping bit. through it a little bit yeah catching up yeah all right good stuff guys we'll, well you know well you know frank uh frank and i we've been trying to schedule a fight for years now and and they just won't come up with enough money for us i mean i think it's, uh, I, I think if they get us anywhere over 30 million a piece I, I think frank and i are finally going to throw down and I, I've heard rumors that, that, that the money's out there and that they're thinking about it now. So, you know, sometime after the first of the year, you might see me and Frank in the ring. Uh, $30 million, I might come to your house and beat you up. <laughs> I'll give you half to make up for it. But. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic stuff. All right. Well, hey, and happy birthday, Billy, from a couple of days ago. I know it was your birthday. Oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, Frank. Frank put up on his Instagram that picture of you demonstrating the uh, the the chokehold defense technique for uh, oh, yeah. for happy birthday greeting. And Billy oh. was nice enough. If anybody saw Frank's uh, birthday video from a couple months back, yeah. Billy contributed to that. So that was nice of you. We appreciate it, man. Oh yeah. You know, I, I invented the <clears throat> I invented the chokehold back in the nineteen twenties. Oh, oh, is that right? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well the uh, the the uh, uh, the the Godfather of the chokehold there, uh, Bud Thornton right. from the Boxmasters. Well, guys, we'll let you get back on the road and keep heading uh, uh, towards Vegas, and then uh, we'll we'll be seeing you on Saturday. We'll have a great time together. I can't wait to see the band again. All right, guys. Always great talking to you guys. We love you yeah, totally. Absolutely. There awesome, goes uh, J D. Andrew and Billy Bob Thornton, Bud Thornton from the Boxmasters. All right, Frank, so a little MMA goes down over the weekend. Colby Covington's star continues to rise. He uh, shuts out Robbie Lawler on the scorecards in Newark. Uh, 10-8 round, uh, at least one of them on a couple of judges' scorecards. And, you know, when we previewed this fight, uh, we talked a lot about this coming down to uh, not only Robbie Lawler's power, but also his takedown defense. Yeah. And in this fight, you know, Covington just seemed to, through sheer volume, 
uh, outstrike him on the feet and also through sheer volume of takedowns to the tune of 10 double digits um, seemed to uh, nullify Lawler's takedown defense. I didn't think there was a point in the fight where Lawler was ever really in danger of getting finished, but it was also one of those fights where it's like, uh, I think I see the the eventual outcome coming unless he just gets lucky and lands a big one here. Yeah, I was impressed with uh, – I thought that Robbie, honestly, when we previewed the fight, uh, Lawler's defense has always been really tough. I mean, shit, he's gone against, you know, Riggs, who's, you know, a national champion wrestler, uh, and he couldn't put him down, you know. And, and, and even when uh, Robbie does get taken down, he bounces right back up. And, and usually the person doing the takedown is more fatigued from their, you know, from their effort and, and ends up being leaning more in favor of Robert or Robbie being able to land some better shots now because now they're tired. Uh, man, uh, I couldn't have guessed, and I, and I don't think I would have guessed um, that um, Covington's takedowns would have been that aggressive, uh, you know, able to put that much volume behind the punches to takedowns and going back and forth and being that relentless. I also thought that I, I knew that Covington has great cardio, but you know, I thought that maybe the power of Lawler would have slowed him down, made him apprehensive, you know, a little bit, you know, you know, more calculating and, and not be able to push that kind of pace. And, you know, barring a couple shots here and there, um, Covington completely ran him over, uh, and I was really impressed with him. In fact, you know, I think that really everybody in the, in the welterweight division, you know, Lawler's one of the hardest punchers at welterweight, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the fact that he's able to go through him like that uh, with his wrestling and with the output and conditioning, um, I don't know. I think, you know, I, I'd be interested to see the uh, Usman fight, you know, just because they seem to strike me as very similar fighters, guys that, you know, have wrestling takedowns that maybe – collegially in their wrestling careers uh, not the greatest credentials in the world but it's applied well over to their MMA career and you know then striking wise uh, you know Covington's a little bit you know better head movement and a little but they both throw a, a, a lot you know they have you know great pace they, they, they almost kind of fight very similar to each other, mm -hmm. from what I can recall of Usman, and so. And also, when you think about the way Usman defeated Woodley for the title, yeah, similar, yeah, very similar mm -hmm. fighting style. You know, lots of heavy shots, lots of you know power shots being thrown, decent head movement coming forward, and constantly looking for the takedown to put you down. Um, I really think that's the fight to make. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can't see of any other fight at, at the welterweight being more intriguing right now than that. I mean, I know that, you know, Jorge Masvidal is coming off the, you know, heroic win over a, 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 a um, talking about Masvidal? Masvidal. Aspirin. Aspirin. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I mean, the five-second knockout is not as impressive as a five-round demolition of mm -hmm. a human being, you know what I mean? Well, I, I think Covington has had a case to make for a title shot even prior to this fight anyway because of the whole interim thing yeah strips. i never really understood mm. why he was i mean what did he have it for like three months yeah there was an injury he couldn't take a fight they wanted him to take i mean that whole thing gets so confusing these days i've half given up on trying to understand well, I mean, the, champions or interim champs or guys hold belts for I mean, how long did uh, Connor hold it for? Close to two years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not unheard of for a guy to hold a belt for a year. Yeah, coming off of an injury or something not working out. So, yeah, when they stripped him of that, that that made no sense to me. Yeah, still doesn't make sense to me. And yeah, I, I've never had anybody to this day explain it to me in a way that really. Yeah. 
I think Covington and Usman makes sense. I think, uh, and I think that's a fight we're going to get. We saw them uh, uh, together on the dais at the uh, uh, on the post fight show live on uh, ESPN. In fact, they made a whole uh, thing out of separating them by security people and all this because you know, you think about it, the well, narrative they had that thing after the uh, Usman fought Woodley, didn't they have some kind of yeah, because Covington was there. Yeah. He was like in the, you know. Well, didn't wasn't it at the, like the buffet line or something? They got into a. Is that right, Mikey? Does that ring a bell? I don't know. The buffet uh, line, Covington, Usman. Oh, I remember there was something. Us? Look, look well, I you thought that happened here in Vegas. It might have been. Mikey will look it up and see if that's uh, that happened. Um, it it um, maybe a story palms, I'm forgetting about, palms. but. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's obviously a fight we're going to get. And, and the thing is, through all of the Covington antics, whatever you think about those, um, from a promoter standpoint, this is all kind of lining up nicely because you are talking about two fighters, similar styles like you said, but also not the, you know, one-punch knockout kind of uh, fighters uh, that are, are easier to build a fight around. And because of this narrative, you know, because of not only Covington being brash yeah. as he is, but, uh, uh, okay, here, this is the audio. Ali, Ali, Ali. All right, here's... Uh, now, this is Ali Abdelaziz, who is uh, Kamara Usman's manager, getting in the face of Colby Covington. There's a little scuffle breaking out. There's women screaming. For security. Yeah, I guess I did forget about this. Jeez. Where was this? Was this at the Palms? Yeah, it wasn't the Palms, I think. I like how Ali, like, if everybody cleared out of the way, dude, you wouldn't be doing it. You're like that dog that barks until you let it off the leash. Yeah. And then you, you know, get real quiet real quick. I, I don't know Ali personally I see him you know say hi to him or whatever but I'll just say this I mean not just pertaining to him but just the idea of the manager's position in general and you tell me your feeling about this Frank to me whether it's a manager or an agent or a publicist they're supposed to be the cooler head prevailing they're supposed to be the one who diffuses a situation who says to you uh, oh no! Wait, let's let's don't tweet that, or let's you know what? Let's don't maybe say that, or let's don't put that out there. As as opposed to being the one who actually drives the escalation. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, that's if the manager's the one who's being the hothead, uh, who's the one in control? Who has the yeah. leash? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's who's the uh, you know who's what they say. Uh, uh, fair minds or you know who, who i don't know it just makes no sense to me yeah. and if anything too i mean for him to tell the guy to put the camera on and walk over i kind of wish you know it's funny my attitude about that i don't know why people stop people from fighting i think mm -hmm. it's, it's I you're think lucky it's he's holding me back 
I won't do that. Like, I, yeah. I hope to God that you do that in front of me because I just sit there and, you know, like, stop the fight. I've had people, like, do something. I, I'll look at him and go, why? Yeah. He wants to fight. Go ahead, buddy. Jump up. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. You know what I mean? Like, because I know truly I'm a very uh, peaceful person. I don't want to deal with all the bullshit of getting sued or going to jail. But in the few instances I've gotten angry and I have physically had to do something, if you hold me back as my friend, I'll fight you too. Mm. Because to me, I think that's disrespectful. Mm. Like, why are you holding me back? You're not my father. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, get, get the fuck out of the way. You know what I mean? Like, just like yeah. if, if I see you get mad at somebody and you're going to go after him, be like, all right, well, I'm here in case it goes south and the guy's jumping up and down in your head, I'll intervene to save you from yeah. you know, permanent injury. But if someone wants to fight somebody, I don't understand that concept of other people jumping in the way. Well, let me ask you this then, just playing that scenario through in my head. What would you want me to do as your friend if, and this is not something, this is not like a family member's in danger or something like that. This is just somebody's really gotten on the wrong side of you or something like that. What What if what I'm trying to do is to just say, I know you're not thinking about this right now, but lawsuits... Yeah. That sort, you know, like just. But that's the point. I guess I consider myself an intelligent enough person. Yeah. That I'm making those calculations. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I really am. Mm-hmm. I don't ever lose it. Mm-hmm. So the times that I've had to become yeah. physically violent with somebody, you know, look, I travel all over the world. I've been in some places where things have gone down. Um, I've done the math in my head where I just sit there and I look around. I'm like, all right, the disrespect has gone too far. Uh, this person's never, I'm not even going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be in another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to happen. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I make it a, it's a calculated uh, uh, hit on you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, all right, well now I'm going to come up and I'm going to, you know, take you out. Uh, you know? Uh, and so if, if, if that moment I've made that decision, I don't want anybody getting in the way of me. It's mm-hmm. like, then I'm almost kind of frustrated. I'm like, well, well now you're second guessing my judgment. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that I'm not smart enough to figure out what's best for me where I am smart enough to figure out what's best for me, I've already figured out you're going to spend the night in jail. I've already made that decision. Yeah. If, but that's why I don't go crazy that mm-hmm. often because I do. I sit there and go, is it worth going to jail tonight over this guy? Fuck no, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can say whatever the hell you want to say. I'm, I'm going to my bedroom tonight and sleeping in my bed. Um, but there are times where sometimes it's called for where I have no choice. But it's like I look at you and go, well, you know, Tonight, when I'm sleeping in jail, I'm going to sleep with a smirk knowing that you're in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I think that 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 is predicated a lot on reputation. Like, in other words, if somebody is known as the opposite of a hothead, if somebody is known as somebody who really thinks things through and they're still that upset, then you're like, okay, well, this obviously is an extraordinary circumstance as opposed to, oh boy, all it takes is one wrong look. But then again, on on that note, if we have a buddy that's constantly doing that, let's just say I'm hanging out with somebody, I kind of get out of their way. I'm like, you know what? This will regulate itself Mm -hmm. because I feel that Mm -hmm. so many people like Ali there Mm -hmm. depend on the other fact that's like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. you chose here. If you really wanted to get a motherfucker, then why don't you wait till he's walking, there's no Mm -hmm. one around, and now you want to get them. Yeah. But you making it a spectacle, yeah. that's all you were doing. You're you're looking for a TMZ bite. You were looking to go ahead, and, and, and you were basically roaring, you know. At the, uh, but you had no intentions of being physically violent. Yeah. And so I find that annoying, and I find it tiresome if that was in somebody in the group I am with. So you know, it's kind of like I'm calling you on your shit. I'm like, all right, dude, go ahead. 
What? No, I mean, the guy right there, you said you're going to fuck him up. Hey, yo, come over here. He says he's going to fuck you up. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, come on, man. I'm tired of hearing this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to constantly, you know what I mean? Like, go. Uh, trust me, I won't let him kill you. You know what I mean? Like, and if you yeah. win, you might win. You might lose. And hey, that's fucking fighting, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. win some, you lose mm-hmm. some. But just fucking fight finally. And I don't want to constantly hear the... You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, you know, the causing commotions and people screaming and ah, fuck well, that. Yeah, and I'm just too say, lazy. I was going to say, even in that scenario where people are in line for a buffet, they actually had to climb into the, whatever you call that, the turnstile or the maze. The that, funnel. Yeah, the people yeah. that walk Yeah, but see through, now, like, here's my thing. A hundred percent, that guy didn't want to become physically violent mm-hmm. because he announced himself as he was going over there. Mm. Now, I know that when I want to become physically violent, you know what I'll usually do? Hey, you know what? I'm sorry, man. Shake hands. It's all okay. I've done that to guys before. I put my hand out. I let you know that, hey, it's cool, man. I'm sorry. So that you let me get close enough to you. Everybody around me lets me get close enough to you. And then I'm immediately going for your throat. Mm. I'm like, boom, done. I got you. Boy, I'm gonna remind go me for- to never accept an apology <laughs> from you. But because I truly want to get to yeah, you. Right, yeah. I don't sit there and keep puffing and huffing. You know what I mean? Like I'm like that gorilla who's pounding on his chest. I'm trying to scare you now. But if you truly want to get somebody, I don't want you to know that I'm coming. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, because we bumped each other and drink was spilt at the bar type scenario, and it's already escalated, now I can't sneak up and grab you? Okay, well, now how do I get close to you without you being ready to fight me? Because, I mean, look, it's a street fight. It's all about taking every advantage you can. There's no mm. such thing as cheating. It mm. doesn't exist in a street fight. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really in an altercation where somebody is there, it's like, there's no cheating. I'm going to hit you behind the head without you looking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to try to get you as quickly and as as efficiently as possible and put you down. That's the mentality you have to have. So somebody who's pounding their chest, I'm coming for you. It's like, no, you're not. Mm. I would almost dare say, everybody, hey, everybody get the fuck out of the way. Watch what happens. Yeah. (laughs) This this pussy ain't doing shit. I saw a fight break out one time on the street. It was at a St. Patrick's Day parade. So lots of drunkenness and all that. And just a whole street with bars. And they had... uh, Sounds uh, like a real technical fight was about to break out. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm, I'm definitely laying the groundwork. And so a lot of the bars had like temporary fencing around their patios right you sit out there watch the parade whatever but then that way uh their patrons are still on their side of the fence so i saw this guy and somehow he had gotten in this war of words he was on one side of the fence and the other guy was on the other side right so the guy who's on the inside who's on the bar side of the fence is just sitting at his table and he's like well you know come over here do something about it come on do something about it and the guy on the street side of the fence is throwing his leg over the fence, but he's so drunk he can't climb the fence, so he keeps sliding down the fence. And after about three tries, he stands up and he looks at the guy and he goes, you're lucky this fence is here. Because if it wasn't, I would kick your ass. (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of uh, bad things happening on the street uh, in a whole uh, another context, Frank, we have another couple of mass shootings to talk about. Yeah. We've talked about this so much, and you're always somebody I want to talk to about this sort of thing. Uh, particularly, we'll bring Mikey in here too because I know he's he's a big gun guy. But uh, particularly because of your proficiency and you know passion for firearms and things like this, but at the same time, your ability to look at things practically because. 
what are we going to say that hasn't been said? What's going to be done that hasn't been done prior, if anything, or nothing? Or do we just spin our wheels and we say thoughts and prayers, but this is just the way we're going to have it in terms of the possibility of this sort of thing happening, in terms of that that size of firepower and artillery being able to be owned as easily as it is now? When you hear this, when you heard it Saturday, as we all did, any thoughts that were any different, anything you ever think before? Well, no, I mean, I think it's a tragedy anytime there's a loss of human life. Um, I do think, though, that I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't offend people, but mass shootings, especially when it's being done by a white guy or somebody in the name of white power, you know, right. is a very sexy headline. And even if statistically, I'm not as worried about it as people think that you should be. Because, you know, I think we've had up to like 250 mass shootings so far to date this year. Um, there's all this outrage, what we should, what we should do about guns. And, and, and you're right, having some type of different, you know, you know um, intelligent reform as far as, you know, how this kid was able to go ahead and purchase firearms, uh, the one in a, a, a was it the one in Ohio and he had a already been investigated in high school for having a rape list and a hit yeah. list you know somebody was showing you know mental incapacity you know a, a diminished mental capacity should not have access to firearms so I, I agree there's things that we can do but I just you know at the same time I'm that guy that like you know people are scared to death of fighting and they'll f drive to the fights to watch me fight think that I'm crazy as hell but they drove there with no seatbelt on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you, you do know your chances of getting hurt or being killed in a car wreck much greater than what is going to happen to sure. me. And, and you can start going off of different factors. We'll say, well, there's not as many people fighting as there are people driving cars. I'm like, well, what about food? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, obesity and heart disease is the number one killer here in the U.S. I don't see us banning McDonald's anytime soon. You know what I mean? We're not trying to go through there and go, hey, without a doubt, I have proof that hamburgers will kill you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're not going to kill you in one shot, but over a long enough period of time, people are dying from diabetes and dying from heart disease. And, and I have to fit the bill because they're going to UMC and they don't have insurance. And as a taxpayer, where do you think that the, that, that, that the, the city or the, you know, the state uh, you know, hospital is getting its finances from? But no one wants to, you know, have the same outrage in that direction. And, and so I, I hear these things and I do hear, hey, look, it sucks. I, I do, though, the, try to look at the positives of what I can do to correct myself. And then people go, well, they don't have this problem in, with, with England. Look at the gun control. I'm like, okay, we can start going back and forth and picking different examples. But it really is apples and oranges because, look, last time I checked, you can't own a gun in Mexico either. Mm -hmm. It's Mexico has very strict handgun laws. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to own a rifle to go hunting, they got to have it locked up. There's just, you know, I have friends that live there and, and they have to jump through hoops to keep their rifles and shotguns for hunting purposes. They don't have handguns. The average citizen there, no one owns a fucking handgun. Um, how safe do you feel going through some of the towns in Mexico and, and not making you might get shot by a gangster? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they have five times as amount of shootings as we do. Uh, they're just as gun violent because of they still get a hold of it. So when you sit there and go, well, you know, take away the guns, you know, well, I'm like, well, more restrictive gun laws. I can point at areas like, you know, Russia, not easy to get a hold of guns, very restrictive. Lots of people are still getting murdered by guns. Um, and so 
it's one of those things where I, I do think that making steps in the positive direction are a good idea. But saying the wrong things, I think, just to get headlines, it cloudies up. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, the house is on fire and everybody's talking about, you know, the front of the house. And now, now we're all putting all our energy over there. It's like, well, no, it was actually the upstairs. Well, it just sounded better to say the front of the house. I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't really factually true. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you know, I was just reading one statistic in there where it was talking about the different, you know, the you know the ethnicities of different individuals. What do you think is uh, Caucasian fits in the ethnicity of mass shooters? Uh, worldwide? Uh, in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, I would think it would be at the top. Nope, they're not number one. What's number one? I'll pull up the stats for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, blacks. Yeah. 51%. Oh, well, okay. Because, no, no. well, but. For mass shootings. I'm yeah. still saying mass shootings, so, not, not just shooting people, but when you shoot four or more people yeah. and it's surrounded. Yeah. So, I mean, but you sit there, well, it's not the same. Like, well, what does it matter if a gangbanger shoots well, up a party? You. Right, right. Whether he right. shoots 20 people or I shoot up Walmart and I have some kind of racist manifesto, mm -hmm. um, still a mass shooting. You yeah, know? I understand. You're talking about all of the ones that are four people, five people that don't get covered the way yeah, these well, headlines I mean, are. One of the biggest ones. Four and above is still a mass right. shooting. Well, so, and then yeah. you got, you know, one of the biggest ones ever done, the Virginia Tech, uh, that wasn't was a white Asian. kid. Yeah, Asian. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't. Well, born here so my point to that statement is not defending white mm -hmm. people or demonizing it it's that well right there because of our media mm -hmm. and the way they cover shit because it sounds good we keep we we have this impersonate or impression that oh man white power guys are out there killing people at at the most alarming rate and they're the number one enemy i'm like Actually, no. Gangbangers are the number one guys killing everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, MS-13 and everything else. Like these are the most dangerous motherfuckers. Not to sit there and go, well, this isn't dangerous because this is more dangerous. I think that's a fallacy too. It's mm -hmm. like me going, you know, I'm I'm happy, but you're like, well, you're not as happy as Bill Gates. That guy's a billionaire. You're like, well, just because I'm not as happy as him mm -hmm. doesn't mean I'm not happy. So I, I, I'm not saying that we don't have to worry about this type of rhetoric. But at the same time, I think because we cloudy it up, it makes it to where we're all fighting and arguing with each mm. other over things that just, they're not real. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's like, well, weight class is the guy I'm fighting. He is a light heavyweight. I mean, think about it. In a sporting event, you don't want just hearsay. Well, we heard the other quarterback is really good. For me to devise a good plan as an athlete, as a coach, I'm looking at, okay, their quarterback is capable of this, their wide receivers are capable of that, the running back has done this, their defense. So I come up with a game plan. So that's what I think that we need to do with the firearm you know, uh, topic is that before we can really come up with a game plan, you know, it's warfare. What is the most important thing is information. So in this whole thing with the gun stuff, the thing I have the biggest problem with is that the media, because it's so driven financially, they don't give us a really fair playing field of what the real information is. They make such somebody as you who is as educated and as finger on the pulse as anybody I know, still because of what you hear on the news, you have a false impressionation of what really is going on. And, and how do we start to fix a problem when we don't sit there and start equating what the real factors are? Like, you know, well, you know, now, you know, people are video games. I'm like, well, shit, they have video games in fucking Sweden. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, and, you know, they have, everybody there has a fucking assault rifle. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that can't be it either. You know, so it's, it's until we get the proper information and it becomes more of a discussion of true facts and not sensationalism, I feel like 
like that's our really first hurdle we have to get over. Well, let me tell you um, what I think are the most important priorities to address. And I'll actually go completely outside of the whole racial thing, white supremacist thing, any of the rest of that, right? So the first thing that that I come to with this, because to me, it feels like repeating the same mistake or at least allowing the same scenario to happen over and over and over again. It's kind of like you were talking about like with the house fire. Regardless of how we say where it started and what it burned and all that kind of stuff, flames basically ignite more or less the same way every time. I mean, the same certain elements have to be present for a flame to ignite, right? So rather than spend a whole lot of time talking about how the fire spread once it spread, let's go right to the root and talk about how we prevent the flame from igniting in the first place, right? So with guns, the first thing that I do is I put things into categories of can other people be harmed or is this a self-contained decision? So like, for example, your McDonald's uh, theory, right? Terrible food to put in your body. Um, If you're going to feed your kid McDonald's from birth and fatten them up, I wish you wouldn't. That's please don't do that. But the difference is my kid sitting next to him isn't going to be affected. If you don't vaccinate that kid, he could breathe on mine and now mine's affected. So just in a broad sense, I put things into one of two categories like that, right? So that's why, for example... And the fact that you have a parent that's feeding their child and giving them type 2 diabetes doesn't fall into that category? It does. but So it's, it's not, in that sense, it's not a perfect analogy. But what I mean to say is, can someone else's poor decision immediately affect me just by the fact that I'm in the same room as them? If you want to shoot heroin and you're not injecting into somebody else, you're injecting in your own arm, you're affecting yourself. And in a sense, you dying of a heroin overdose doesn't affect me. Yeah, I still want to address those problems, but they're not as primary. So, for example, if all that was happening with all this gun ownership is suicide rates were through the roof, I I would still want to address that, but I'm not as concerned because you're making that decision, and that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm at Walmart shopping next to you. So, So that's first. For me, like... I do not understand the concept of not having to prove a standard in the way of like a license to own a gun, just like a car. The The idea that I would ever be able to buy a car without a driver's license and just say, uh, I'll learn to drive it later, and you watch me drive off the lot into traffic is inconceivable, and I believe that is for a lot of people. I think what happens and you know tell me i'm wrong i think what happens at that point is that's where slippery slope comes in and then and then the gun advocate will say well yeah but that's gonna that's gonna you know now i'm gonna be tracked as a gun owner well not tracked we're gonna be denied guns i think that's what they're worried about because you sit there like for example like you know you see the the people trying to uh to to rebel in 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 in, um hong kong yeah right they have no power, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't have guns, mm-hmm. you know. And, and again, not that you know, you know, firearms are not the, really. That's what our Second Amendment is really for: is that I have enough guns, where I have access to weapons, and I'm a pain in the ass 
to the government trying to come in here. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I've been one of those people that used to make fun of guys that thought that way, but the more thought I keep looking around the world and countries, I mean, look how much of a hard time we have in Afghanistan or, mm-hmm. or going through Iraq and I'm sitting there going, well, you have just a bunch of guys that are highly motivated with just AK-47s and they give the American army a hard time. I mean, we're spending billions of dollars to go through there. I mean, a bunch of Viet Cons, they kicked the shit out of us with mm-hmm. just some very low technology, but they had access to weapons. They had access to guns, and because of that, they were a problem. So I think and they that, were everywhere, and you didn't know who was who, right? Yeah. So now, as a civilians, I just I, I feel that us having those guns is one way to know that hey, look, I know that the government might pass some crazy laws, but at a certain point, they can't go over the threshold because you're going to have a lot of armed Americans on the streets, mm-hmm. and then who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Who do you know? We all have firearms it's going to make them always think twice i mean i i agree with thomas jefferson when he said that you know a government should fear the people that they're policing you know that they're governing well, and can i touch on the, yeah. the license the like how you should have to have a license for well, the yeah. license i'm afraid of i don't know if i've made that point but sorry is it that's one way of the government keeping guns out of people's hands going oh yeah. you don't qualify your ex-wife she said you're fucking nuts and you're mm-hmm. like whoa now i don't get to have a gun you well, know also and even it, it prices out poor people mm-hmm. who you know live in bad neighborhoods who i think need the guns the most so you talk about they don't have the time they don't have the money to go through all this licenses and training and you deny them their basic right to defend themselves like you take a 200 dollars handgun that m- most people's handgun sits in their bedside drawer and collects dust right mm-hmm. but it's there just in case they need it and that's their right and you can probably get your hands on a hundred dollar two hundred dollar handgun now all of a sudden you take that handgun and it's a five six hundred dollar handgun with a weekend worth of training Mm -hmm. which if you're poor and 250 you know whatever is what you can afford is or you're working two fucking jobs working two jobs you know taking three days off yeah it's all of a sudden now guns become something that only rich people with a lot of time off can have and that's a something that you definitely do. okay. I don't about, I don't want to have either how about I give you this though how about I give you uh, if you qualify as low-income government assistance for your training program? it's the time too it's it's but wait one thing at a time though what if yeah. I do that would that take care of the because a lot of, what you're talking about right now this is a private industry uh-huh. like the whole thing about gun training gun safety uh-huh. gun it's all private right yeah. so if if as a concession, as the government, if I say, listen, we're going to have a license, just like every state issues a driver's license. But well, and I well, here's the thing about the about, you can buy a car without a driver's license yes. if you're going to keep it on your farm. Like I sell all the time, like Craigslist looking for trucks back, especially when I back lived in a rural area. It's like has no title. Be great for a farm truck. You know what I mean? Because you got to get it there, though. Right, you can tow it. You can do what you know. Same thing. You can take it. To, you know, you can get it towed to your farm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But your gun's going to stay at your house. Like, to get a concealed carry, yes, I do think you should. Because you're taking that gun out in public. Right. Now you should get in license. But your gun is going to stay in your house. Just like you can have an old clunker car that you're going to, oh, I'm going to fix this up, me and my son. And it can sit in your garage unlicensed, you know, no title forever. Mm-hmm. Same thing with your gun. It's in your own house. and that. But when you take it into public, I do think you should have a CCW to prove that, yes, I can take my gun into public. I understand that it's easily concealed. Illegally, but well, but you, you, you have the right the, to keep your gun in your own analogy home. For, yeah. a, for a second, though, you've got that truck on a farm. However, mm-hmm. the reason you've got it on the farm with no title is that there's nobody else on the farm mm-hmm. driving the opposite direction. If there were, let's say there were, for whatever reason, I'm mm-hmm. pulling in your driveway and you hit me with this truck with no license, mm-hmm. you're in legal trouble. Well, you're trespassing in my driveway nah, too. But let, no, let's say I'm invited. 
Well, I'm, well, you're not. I mean, just, sh- just just play the logic. What I'm saying is, is that you're you're going to have a responsibility as the operator of that truck mm-hmm. if you cause harm or injury, right? Even though it's on your property. I wouldn't mind I this. Would. To speaking to the point where you're talking about, yeah. I think that because it is our Second Amendment, we have so many of the things. I mean, look. We make Bella can't get her driver's license until she takes driver's ed in school. Yes. Right? I'm all for that every American should take a gun class at school. I'm all for it. Okay. That way it's being subsidized now. It's a U.S. government. Mm-hmm. They're paying taxpayer for it. I'd rather everybody be more educated on firearms and have a better understanding of them mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't impede people from having access to them. Because, again, the one thing that makes me strong is. Me just having a weapon isn't that great of a deterrent to the government. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden they hit a thing and they look at all the registered guns in my area and they're like, holy shit, they got fucking the population of 250,000 guys and there's like fucking 500,000 registered mm-hmm. weapons. That's not an area you're going to want to go fuck around in. You okay, know what I mean? so we agree on this. Because you have said to me before, and this makes total sense to me, that uh, it's not good if we're in a movie theater and everybody has a gun on them and five out of the people in there know really know no, how to use it. I don't like guys having guns that don't know how to use them. Right, okay, so I agree with that. But I also agree with the idea that if you could then tell me that everybody in there was trained to have it, then I'm okay with I think it with should be them. part of I mean, I also think taxes should be put in school. Uh-huh. I have no fucking clue why you can get get a high school diploma and really have no fucking clue how to do your taxes. Oh, right, sure. Like, to me, that's stupid. Right. I think it's setting you up for failure. Well, so I, I do. And then the one problem now here where I do deviate from some other people that are more pro-gun is I don't have a problem with registering weapons. I, I really yeah. don't because in my mind, I'm like, well, they're like, well, they'll, he'll know who has guns. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Just because you know, that's like someone going, hey, the other guy watched a videotape on my fighting style. Well, all right, well, fucking now you still got to do something about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so now you know that I like arm bars. Who gives a shit? You know well, what I mean? and also to your point, if, if, well, the, my gun gets stolen or you break into my house, yes, I have a greater chance of getting the shit back. Right. That's and also, I, my own, I think that's more of a, because to me, being practical, what is most likely going to happen? The government coming to my house to take my guns away from me or some fucking jackass who breaks into my fucking mm-hmm. car and steals my gun? B has happened to me now twice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and if, the fact that the, if he had to register the gun or if it went through any kind of system, the, it, the gun could be connected to me. I could possibly get my gun back. Mm-hmm. And and to you, the point you made before that one, that, hey, there's some there there would be uh, something to be said for the government being able to look at an area and go, wow, look at all these guns, right? Then to me, the more registered weapons, the more that can happen is they can look at a map and go, okay, this is a heavily fortified area. But you, to me, that's the gun lobby would have to have the faith that a lot of people would want them at that point, that, that everybody would want to arm themselves. Well, I mean, I, and I think it's part of being an American. It's, it's, it's definitely an individual or very... Uh, what other country has the gun ownership that we have mm-hmm. that has it, you know, as far as that we're re- rebellious, we don't want to be put under the thumb, you know? And I think that that person, that rebellious personality that we started out with, I think is what's allowed us to be who we are. We're not mm-hmm. easily to cattle, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I want to maintain that. Well, and the only way to maintain that is through proper firearm ownership mm-hmm. and people knowing what they're doing you know what i mean like like i said if we're, if we're just have a militia it does me no good that just because billy bob owns 
300 fucking guns, but he can't fucking shoot straight, can't reload, doesn't know how to deal with a malfunction, and has the fucking cardio of a fucking 90-year-old fucking pig, then I'm like, well, you ain't fucking helping me out either. You're not, you're a disaster. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, to me, be an asset, you know, be a warrior. All right, so that makes sense. And then, uh, you know, I also point to, Mikey and I were talking about this before the show even started, but one thing that's a real pet peeve of mine these days is the where do you draw the line crowd not just on guns but anything people who will go well you you start one you make one rule and then where are you going to draw the line we draw lines all the time in society they're called standards they're called laws there's a reason why you can't drive 100 miles an hour on the freeway but you can still own a car we drew a line at 65 miles an hour there's a reason you can't fuck her when she's 15 but you can when she's 18 or well, you, you pass one rule what are you gonna next thing i know i won't be able to have sex at all no but we decided it's 18. So yeah. there's a waiting period. I mean, we do that all the time. So the idea that, okay, well, we can't have uh, uh, one standard lest we completely take away everybody's guns, I'm not saying that at all. No, no. I just think there I could think be the problem some is, basic is when ideas. People start putting in that they're, well, guns are meant for sporting, and, and I have to stand there and correct people. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not the only purpose for guns is True. to kill sporting animals. I have guns that are meant to kill people. Right. And th- that's why I own the weapon. Right. That's its one and only intention in life is that if I have a human being that's going to do harm mm-hmm. to me or my family, this is going to take his life. So now let's talk about... So te- when, they, when yeah. people sit there and go, well, no assault weapons, I'm like, well an assault weapon is a very efficient weapon an assault rifle is the best weapon for me to take someone's life i need to always have access to assault rifles too. well let's talk about technological advancements then because this is my next priority of concern so there's licensing but then there's and learning how to use the weapon but then there's there's this i saw somebody say uh a popular tweet that was going around someone saying well what you know we've had guns for hundreds of years What's changed? Why Why is this just now a problem? Well, I think part of that is technological advancement. It's like saying we've had flight for 100 years. Why did we just start worrying about people flying planes into buildings? Well, because 100 years ago, it was Snoopy and his Red Baron crop duster. Now it's jumbo jets and hundreds of people and, you know, uh, capable of much more destruction. So when we talk about those high-capacity clips, the guy in Dayton had a 200-round clip on him. He killed... Call it a magazine for me, dude. Magazine? Please. Okay, whatever. Yeah, 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 <laughs> don't. All the gun guys in the room were like going, well, it's not a clip. <laughs> you know what that is? That is the liberal equivalent of when we turn into the grammar police because some redneck yes, yeah. doesn't know your versus your. But they're That's the ones, true. They're the you people, keep calling it a clip yeah, and then we'll just keep doing this. They're, they're, they're the people who go, oh, they think a they think a uh, uh, AR-15 stands for assault rifle, you know, uh, whatever. That you get what I'm saying. All right, so magazine, but 200 rounds. So here's the problem: cops kill that guy in 30 seconds. You can't Armed get police officers killed him in 30 seconds. Yeah, but you can't get much better response time than that. I nope. mean, you think about it; that's going to be about as good. Which as is you're also my do. argument for why when do same thing would happen if let's say me and Mike are there and we're carrying, mm-hmm. and also we see a guy pull out an assault rifle and he starts fucking mowing into the crowd. He carries, I carry. Yeah. At that moment, I can't outrun this guy because he's shooting rounds that mm-hmm. are going to faster than I am. Mm-hmm. So we're also armed good guys. Fine. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you know, the 30-second principle is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. We're not going to do better than 
10 seconds, 20 seconds. I mean, let's think about it realistically. Right, right. And but that's my point is, standing to right that is that to because there was an armed person within perimeter of yeah. him, it wasn't that it was a cop so much. It was yeah. that somebody who was a good guy mm-hmm. who had training mm-hmm. had a gun. So the more trained good guys right. there are, the faster that 30-second response could be. Sometimes a guy goes and does that, and cops are 20 minutes away, mm-hmm. but – what if a guy with a gun was that much closer? No, that, I understand. But what Richard's I'm saying, getting to banning high-capacity magazines. Uh, yes, because here's my point. In the 30 seconds, 25 seconds, whatever it ends up being, he kills nine people. So under our best scenario of somebody was right there, somebody who was trained was right there to get him and got him, right, and prevented a whole lot more carnage, he still gets nine people. So if he's got a six-shooter, he's not getting nine people. Because at best, if he was a perfect shot and gets six, he's got to reload to get the other three. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is that when you talk, and you know, you've talked before about how those high capacity clips are so that a bad shot can do more damage before they're neutralized. Yeah, I don't think I need more than thirty rounds. So as long, I think that thirty round is about mm-hmm. what I can carry with multiple magazines, and what under proper, really, most gun guys i know don't shoot more than 30 round magazines Mm -hmm. if our life depends on it because once you start going above that the quality of the magazine starts to diminish and you have a higher chance of malfunction they usually fuck up Mm -hmm. yeah Um, like the vegas shooter the one thing i was surprised of is he had 100 round mags i'm surprised they worked yeah you know i've gone shooting and, and guys we you know on a 22 it's not that bad but you know some of the other rounds they get bigger the spring the way it works inside the just magazine doesn't have enough to push it yeah through. It's just, it just and then now it's not feeding properly so they're not so to your point i'm okay with getting rid of high capacity magazines my point is where i draw the line mm-hmm. i still want access to 30 round magazines because that's what the military has access to mm-hmm. that because we have devised that is the most proficient way for a skilled man to kill people mm-hmm. and even then you know what i don't ever put 30 rounds and i only put 28 because I notice that it doesn't ever jam on me when I do that. Sometimes when I load up 30 and I put one in the chamber and I load one back in the magazine again, um, I've had malfunction issues. So I like 28 rounds, you know. But so to my point is that that's efficient for uh, for me to be able to defend against okay. domestic powers yeah. that ever would lose their mind. A hundred round magazine I wouldn't use, and so to me they are just for nuts to have or you know just have to me for the most part it's for guys to have fun they go to the out it's cool if you have a fully automatic or you know to pull the trigger that many times if you have the money to shoot fucking 100 rounds at a go <laughs> uh, they're of novelty that that because they're only a novelty to me to a good gun guy and the potential for uh, um harm and abuse is very high i'm okay with drawing the line but i don't like drawing the line at 10 rounds or five rounds you know like you know you know california you can have a five round magazine as we soldered in no fuck that i gotta have a 30 round magazine mm-hmm. that i can interchange quickly through proper training and yes i'm gonna keep the, 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 the weapon firing and right. here's the thing is that that stuff matters against in a gunfight when guns are shooting back at you I mean, these people are shooting into essentially fish in a barrel. Yeah. If he had the six shooter, he could get off six six kills with that because there's mm-hmm. no one shooting back, mm-hmm. you know. And and also, you talk about he had an AR-15 or whatever with this kind of mag. I kind of go to the money. Like the money he spent on that, he could have got six handguns mm-hmm. and done a New York reload. Just one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Just p- keep putting up new guns for you know the same. I the same price, and I don't know why I always go to that, but just that's kind of like what I figured. This guy probably had a thousand dollars to buy guns. Yeah. you know, the, there's mm-hmm. much more efficient ways. But 
but getting rid of bump stocks or getting rid of you know like i'm okay like i know a lot of pro gun guys get frustrated with me because i do compromise so they'll say well you're not a pro gun guy if you say i'm pro gun but but to me that's a fucking stupid argument because it's like well look I don't think we should have fucking flamethrowers and fucking and grenades. I don't feel comfortable, even though you're like, well, you could use it to kill the militia. I'm like, yeah, but the chances are your dumbass is going to fucking blow yourself up. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be realistic. I'm more worried about you fucking up than, you know, it's the practicality of what I'm really worried about to doing harm. Like, I'm like, what most likely might end my life, my neighbor with fucking explosives? Yeah, he might fucking end on a whole neighborhood because he's a fucking retard. I you have a rifle and you're retarded and it sits in the safe for the most part you shoot yourself you know like not a whole lot of neighbors shooting neighbors as much of an issue and here's the thing too about why i i kind of don't i would argue against banning the the super high capacity or the the bump stocks because it's kind of pointless so like you spend all this time you spend all this energy and then you pat yourself on the back because we banned hundred round magazines or we banned bump stocks and it's like you did you did nothing but waste everyone's time i I guess to my point of this whole argument japan has extreme gun laws right Mm. we just had a guy do a mass murder there he got upset at the one cartoon company they thought he stole their idea so he set the place on fire and killed like 30 people right Mm. it's crazy people you know what i mean like that guy had no access Mm -hmm. to a gun but he killed 30 people Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm in Japan where the police officers fucking count every one of their fucking bullets. Now, had he had access to a weapon, would he have used a gun to do it? Probably past of least resistance. Would it have made his life easier? Probably, but we're not talking about a person. When somebody's gonna go into a crowd of fucking people and shoot innocent women and children, you're talking about a fucking really disturbed individual that sits there and thinks about this shit. And if you think that certain laws that are going to deter, you're like, well, that would deter me. I'm like, yes, but your brain is fully functional. Of course that would deter you. Just like the idea of being put on death penalty or making another person suffer would deter you. This isn't going to deter them. So to me, when they say, well, we'll take away the guns, I'm like, you're still going to have fucking psychopaths. I mean, you still have a lot of assault murders in England where they all oh, have no guns. I'm like, yeah, but they have five times as many people getting stabbed. Well, yes. But what, what I'm saying, though, about, about that is that if, because we do not have our mental health buttoned up here, and, and I will take. I think that's our biggest problem. But here's the thing. I will take great exception with the conservative politician who at a time like this starts talking about that but when there is no mass shooting in the news is doing everything he can to cut mental health funding no that's the part where i'm painting with a broad brush there but it's fair because that happens uh a lot so what i'm going to say is this no that's why i think i know this is not a very republican point of view and but i do feel that like you know someone the house burning down well, it pertains to me if your house burns down next to mine because it might burn my house down. Correct. So that's why taxes are taking from me to pay for the fire department to come and save that guy's The socialist house. fire department. Yeah, the right. social, you know, it's yes. just, you know, somebody who's, you know, 80 years old, I the government's going to pay. We have a socialist system set up for them to be taken care of because if not, it can affect the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so 
I don't have a problem with, I guess, and this is the part where, you know, I guess I don't have a party I can join because everybody, in one sense, I'm like, the Democrats want to take my gun, but the Republicans don't believe in fucking health care. I think health care does fuck me up. They're like, well, you know, you know, do it yourself. I'm like, yeah, but if the fucking my neighbor isn't being diagnosed and he has problems and he's, even if you don't have access to a gun, he's driving a car, my kids are playing in the street, like, and he doesn't have access to fucking medical care to fucking fix him or to, you know, to identify this. Now you are fucking with me. Now I do have a problem. Like, it's like, I have to make sure that my neighbor is taken care of. Even if I am a selfish son of a bitch and I only worry about me or my kids, me shutting my door to the world and say, well, Hey, you take care of your own. It's like, well, fuck man. That just, it, 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 don't you realize that's where all the criminals and everybody else is coming from of the people we don't give a fuck about. Like every time we keep, you know, marginalizing these people and go fuck them, they'll figure it out on their own. I'm like, yeah, but guess what? The rapists and murderers, it keeps coming from there. So like there has to be something we do about it as far as, especially the health care, you know, mental aspect of it. And uh, one thing that that kind of sucks, and it's not an e- and it's going to be hard, is the culture change. And that's like I really like Tim Kennedy's post about it. Um, and so I won't I won't like read or repeat mm-hmm. what he said. But there's that. And also the, one of the stats is 26 out of the 27 deadliest mass shooters grew up without a father or without a father figure. <sighs> and that's and and you see that in the in the in the black and the black community too. Most of their criminals, no dad. And that's that's something that has to change, but it's like it's an not, aspect of mental health, right? And I think that too. And that's just something that's you know, if you don't, that's I don't know, I don't have a I don't have a solution for other than like quit fucking around and raise your kids. But yeah, it's, you but, know what I mean. But, but I mean, you, there you're talking about a problem that's probably even that's even bigger than the gun debate, right? I mean, and that's what. And I think, that's, I think that's actually I think that's the biggest root cause. Well, I think you but could I think have, that's you know, where if we were to have a debate about what the problem with the firearms are. I think that gets mm-hmm. more to the core of the problem. Going to it's like the guy in Japan and what he did. Like, well, what alarms were off? What what systems were set up for the society mm-hmm. to pick up on this miserable, unhappy individual that wanted to cause harm to other people around him? Because that net catches guys. Because look, guys that are not angry at the world and pissed off and jilted aren't just sitting there going, you know what? I'm going to fucking, you know, just because I can, I'm going to go to Walmart and see if I can shoot some motherfuckers. Like, people, I mean, the, the guy in the Walmart, he posted shit on 8chan, that, like, mm-hmm. his different fucking, his manifesto of what he thought, and no one's doing shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's like, well, yes, he has guns, but if you take the guns away, you have guys that jump into semi-trucks and drive them through fucking crowds. But, but, but that is why he needs to have a driver's license. And I understand well, the driver's no. license isn't going to prevent him from operating the vehicle, but it registers him. It traces him. Like, what I'm saying is this. Well, no, I mean, a, I could just be a guy just jumps the fucking border. Sure not have a can. Sure you jump can. In a vehicle, but but th- if my mental health isn't there. Yes. What I'm saying is this. A mentally unstable person in a free society is way more dangerous than a mentally unstable person in a suppressed society. If you tell me there's some guy that's stark raving mad and I go, where is he? And you go, well, he's in prison in solitary confinement. I'm like, well, he may shank somebody at some point, but I'm not too worried about it there. If you tell me that the stark raving mad guy is like, oh, no, he's free. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's got a car to drive. He owns weapons. He's out there. He works with the public. Now I'm much more concerned. Now, we're not going to 
sacrifice our freedoms for the for the protection of that guy but i think we do have a higher standard and we evolve as a society it's kind of like you know if you're this you know constitutional purist i mean you can go back a couple of hundred years and find examples of things like for example being a, a doctor in a wild west town is not the same thing now as being a licensed physician right well, are you infringing on someone's rights to practice medicine by the old Wild West definition of it? No, but we have elevated our collective standard to make it more of a privilege or something you have to qualify to do to be a doctor. So what I'm saying is I think there's actually an opportunity to celebrate firearms. I think there's actually an opportunity to make more people aware of the right way to use them and have them. I'm not opposed. There's something I could do with that. I understand a little bit, but I mean, also too, then there would be some different ideas that we'd have a long conversation about. I mean, I feel like Sweden is a very safe place and because they have, uh, was it conscript? What's or is it Sweden, right? Oh, Switzerland. Use, Switzerland, sorry. Yeah. Switzerland, you know, people have to serve in the military. Right. Conscription. Conscription, yeah. thank you. Uh, messed up the word. Yeah. And they keep the rifle at home, you know? Mm -hmm. So now you have everybody and their motherfucking has a assault rifle in their home, mm -hmm. and they have a tenth of the problems with firearms that we do, mm -hmm. if even that much, you know? So I, I, I'm all for it, but, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, also, too, you know, arming the citizens is a good idea. I'm always scared of unarming them. But if you if we want to talk about intelligent ways to do it to where it's more efficient, because mm -hmm. to me that, that that only helps build both cases. I want a more efficient militia at all times ready to jump up and grab arms. Mm -hmm. And in turn, I feel like that would make it safer for everyday people around here so they're not you know having these kind of barbaric accidents. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Mike? I just don't like the idea of having to, you know, to practice medicine is different than defending yourself like there should be no qualification to like defend your own life and i think now you need a gun to defend your own life like you know then you know if there's no guns then frank Mir rules the world you know what i mean like people like him can just wreak havoc and like that's not what but we want you know what i mean like, i agree I but but i'm not the be thing a good is place if i rolled the I, I i agree come on i'd make a good king dude <laughs> i i i agree but but i just i don't i guess i refuse to accept that we as evolved humans are not capable of setting common sense standards because I think we do. It seems to be an exception for guns that doesn't pertain to a lot of other things that can basically cause fatal harm to somebody. And I don't like, just like I want money out of politics, I don't want any political lobby to become too powerful. Like, if I were on the board of directors for the NRA, this drives me crazy, I would say, who f fucking stupid idea is it that we're going to stand collectively and say that people who are on a no-fly list, who cannot fly because they're, on a, they're, they're suspected of, of terrorist activities, it's okay for them to own a gun? Well, yeah, you can, can see put on a no-fly list without due process. You, you can, yeah. can but So what happens still, if all of a sudden, let's say, like, they go yeah. with me. But, hey, Frank has a podcast. Some of the uh -huh. stuff he says is a little kind of maybe out mm -hmm. there. And I end up on a list where I can't own mm -hmm. firearms. Mm -hmm. Who's the one discerning that list? I guess that's, that's the problem I have with, like, who says that, you know, I don't know. All of a sudden now, who now I got to go to the government that I have the guns for the reason to protect me from is the ones telling me whether or not I can have the gun. What if they deem me as a threat to them? That's I'm my not problem a threat with to the you, but I'm a threat to them. That, 
that Trump's suggesting, the red flag yeah. laws, to me, that's legalized swatting. You post something like, you know, because you see what the qualifications for hate speech are. It's getting low. The bar is getting lower and lower yeah. and lower. So all of a sudden I tweet, man, you know what? Obama sucked yeah. as a president. Now I'm a racist white supremacist. And guess what? You can red flag me mm-hmm. and come and take my guns. And, and it's like, okay, so someone comes over. They say, okay, you've you've committed racist white nationalist hate speech. And they know I'm armed because they're coming to take my guns, and they think I'm a radical. What are the odds that I survive that situation? And I don't like, I don't like the. the We're anyone seeing what happens left. sometimes when the government comes yeah. to take guns away from people. You know, look at they kill everybody like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like who's like Frank said. Who's going to make that determination that I'm a threat? That's why I think you cannot, you can't take someone's right to defend themselves and right to defend their own life without due process yeah, I, just think I would say that's definitely you talk about draw the line, line that's right. where I draw the line well, you have to have due process right. before you can take someone I, I think well, right to survive I'll right. get out of here All right. well, I'll just, my guns are going to be used against me in a yes second. I, I, I got that going on I, too I will yeah. just say that, that I do think people are entitled to to uh, to due process I also just believe in this and I believe in this more than anything else is that our government is a product of its people the people who are in that government, I mean, they may have risen to levels of corruption or unreasonable power, but honestly, that's your fault as a voter if you allowed that to happen. I really do believe that. I think that everybody— I've lost a lot of faith in our government because of our lobbyist no, system. No, I have— yes, If we got rid yes, of lobbyists, yes. I would—you I, know what? If, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, if they, the they if they ban fucking lobbyists and have term limits, I might be a little bit less scared of giving up my guns. But oh, the okay. fact that whoever has the most money makes the fucking decisions for our government nowadays scares the fuck out of me, so hence I'm keeping my weapons. But the only reason we don't have that, Frank, the only reason we have not eliminated political lobbies is because the voting populace has not gotten together and said, okay, guess what? No more lobbyist contributions. And if you take them, I don't care which side of the political aisle you're on, we're not voting for you. If everybody did, it that'd be the end of it but you want to talk about bipartisan support there is behind the scenes bipartisan support for political lobbies because they all take it so that is i mean we're so worried about like defending our homes let's take our government back let's do that and we can do that without firing a shot but while we're doing that we have to keep guns (laughs) okay and you know with with lobbies i mean where do you draw the line oh god (laughs) All right. Hey, look. That's a callback. I'm like, every time I'm like, what? And then no, fuck, if I say something, no, we'll keep on going. We're going to draw the line. I'm getting getting the angry wife text, too. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Please, Richard, we got to (laughs) go. All right. Uh, Tell everybody to follow us on social media, Frank. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, it's phone booth fighting, it's Snapchat and Twitter. Just phone booth fight. Hey, you guys, do us a favor. If you haven't done this yet, go to iTunes, uh, look up phone booth fighting, MMA, and iTunes. Click on the five stars. It'll just take you a second. You can do it from the app on your phone. If you haven't done that yet, please do that for us. It really, really helps us. Uh, thanks to Billy Bob Thornton and J.D. Andrew from the Vox Masters for joining us earlier. Thanks to uh, Porno Mikey, as always, for doing a great job producing. Thanks to you guys for listening week after week after week. And we'll be back next week with another one. For Frank Mayer and Richard Hunter, we'll see you next time on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was They fought with